Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We've arrived at chapter 30 of Isaiah. This is a passage that is warning about the futility of aligning with Egypt. It seemed like a good move. It seemed militarily wise. It, it looked on paper like the right thing to do, but it had not actually worked out for Israel, Judah's sister nation with, uh, with whom they were once the collective nation of Israel. It didn't work out for Israel. That ought to have been obvious, but all the military advisors in the king's court are trying to tell him to do this. And so Isaiah is about to crack some skulls. He's about to lay the record straight. You and I can apply this text in a similar fashion by those times when we stand by what God says to do, even though it's misunderstood. There are times when you must be the holy dissident to say you must be the one who by your conviction in the Lord knows that what God said is true, and I'm not going to go with earthly wisdom. All right, I am going to acknowledge the Lord in all of my ways and let Him direct my path. Even if the whole world is going bonkers right now, for example, over what gender is, I know what the Word of God says. So I know that's a bit of a leap from the original context of Judah seeking an alliance with Egypt, but we serve the same God as ancient Judah, and we do so now as New Covenant, New Testament believers. And just as it would have been wise for the king of Judah to adhere to the advice of God's prophet Isaiah and not listen to conventional wisdom, you and I likewise must eschew conventional wisdom in favor of what God actually says, because God has never been wrong. Here's Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children. This is the Lord's declaration. They carry out a plan, but not mine. They make an alliance, but against my will, piling sin on top of sin. Without asking my advice, they set out to go down to Egypt in order to seek shelter under Pharaoh's protection and take refuge in Egypt's shadow. But Pharaoh's protection will become your shame and refuge in Egypt's shadow, your humiliation. For though his princes are at zone and his messengers reach as far as Haines, everyone will be ashamed because of a people who can't help. They are of no benefit. They are no help. They are good for nothing but shame and disgrace. Now, fortunately for Egypt, this is not all that the book of Isaiah has to say about Egypt. I know it sounds really bleak and you're like, wow, that's pretty harsh, Isaiah, to, uh, to say that about an entire nation. Remember as well that Egypt, uh, Egypt was once, they once enslaved the Hebrew people. It's a nation born actually from the slaves of Egypt, but they, re they remained a global superpower for a long time. After the slaves of Egypt were released and after a certain, shall we call it a hydrological anomaly, they continued to even grow in po power for a while. But today, the GDP, the gross domestic product of Egypt, is nothing compared to that of Israel. In fact, that is the case for every nation that once enslaved another. Every nation that once enslaved another nation has a lower GDP than that nation. And there's only one nation in the world that ever fought a war to free its slaves, and that's the U.S. We also, I do believe, are blessed because we bless Israel. All right? So this original council was considered uh, was considered just obstinate of Isaiah. I mean, it seemed like a no-brainer to many people. Like, obviously, Egypt is offering us aid. Let's just do that. And nobody ever bothered to consult with the prophet of God. Nobody ever bothered to pray about any of it. They just went immediately with what seemed like conventionally the right thing to do. Have you done the same thing? You've com committed the same error. It is absolutely good and biblical 
to use your own discernment, but that discernment comes from keeping in step with the Holy Spirit of God. Philippians 1, 9 through 11, and this is my prayer. Paul prayed for the church at Philippi, and it's my prayer for you as well. All right, I just spoke with one member of the Redemption Church. You know who you are. I love you, brother. This is my prayer, that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. And you may be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ to the glory and praise of God. That discernment that you use comes through Christ. So you're walking in step with the Spirit of God. So you're not adhering necessarily to conventional wisdom, and you're willing to be the one who defies it. I was at Starbucks this morning with my son, Austin. We were talking about exactly this, how one day in the workplace, you'll be at the board meeting, and you'll have this uncomfortable feeling that you disagree with the entire board. Now, your first instinct ought to be, okay, this could be my ego. This could just be prideful. But what if you are kind of in the role of Isaiah here, wherein you're the one who knows this is not the right path. It's in fact your ethical obligation to speak up because you, the lone dissident voice, might be the one through whom God is speaking. And if you don't say anything, you will see in the end, that you should have, especially if it's God speaking through you. If you do speak up and you're not listened to, then guess what? It gives you the right to, and I told you so, but you're gracious enough not to smear that in people's faces. If you speak up in your dissident voice and nobody listens to you and you turn out to be right, you actually grow in credibility the next time that you speak up. But if you don't speak up, you don't act as the dissident voice on the board, then you could be doing a disservice to the board. Do so with humility, because in all probability, when you're outnumbered, you're wrong, but progress is made by the dissident speaking up. It's not made by consensus. Consensus leads to stagnation. Consensus leads to the status quo. Consensus actually has zero bearing whatsoever at all on truth. One billion morons believing something doesn't make it true. You need the one sane person to speak up. The inmates cannot run the asylum. There has to be an adult in the room. So without being condescending, like those illustrations would suggest, forgive me for that, without being condescending in great humility, if the Lord has spoken, you know what God's word says, it's actually incumbent upon you to be the one dissident voice. I'll see you tomorrow for another devotion.